Hey, what's going on, guys? Dom the Movie Nerd here, and have you heard the good word? Game of Thrones is back! Well, not really, but the first official spinoff, House of the Dragon, is set to premiere next year on HBO, and that got me thinking about how Game of Thrones, the number one most-watched show for a decade, just seemingly disappeared from the culture after that god-awful finale. And I wanted to find out why, which is why I'm proud to present the newest hit show from the Talking TV network, Talking Thrones, the new weekly show where myself and friend of the channel, Professor Pat Huber, get together to break down each and every single episode of this hit show. We've got focus character segments, we break down the lore, we go over some old reviews, all to get to the question of where did this show go wrong? It's a really fun time. You guys are not going to want to miss this. So head over to the Talking TV channel on YouTube and Spotify to check it out. We go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Audio goes up the following Saturday. It's going to be a really great time as we once again battle it out for the throne. On tonight's episode of the Talking TV podcast. Oh man, we said we were in summer blockbuster mode last week. Oh, we ain't seen shit yet. And the best part is, this wasn't even a theater going movie. We're talking about Zack Snyder's new Netflix original, Army of the Dead, starring Dave Batista and a whole bunch of other people. Chris. Just, are, are you ready for this one, man? I, I can't even think of, like, a colorful sequitur in order to lead us into it just because of, like, how much I'm still trying to process this movie. Dude, I'm more than ready. 2021 is Snyder's year. Let's it just really accept that now. It, it, it's Snyder's year and it's Junkie XL's year. I just wanted to say that. True. All right. Stay tuned, people. What's going on, buddy? Uh, we, we had Pat guesting on last week when we talked about, oh, the delightful kickoff to the summer season with Spiral. The, the, the less said about that movie, the better. But we've got this movie that we're talking about today, right? So obviously a couple months ago, we talked about the Snyder Cut, and that was a whole one big conversation about Snyder, right? And now we're back with another one of his movies only two months later. Like, what were your thoughts kind of just going into, like, just having to deal with, like, oh, another Snyder movie only two months later? Two Snyders to boot for 2021. Well, I never have that, uh, another Snyder thing. I think I'm a Snyder fan at, by this point. I think point. you're one of the only ones. And and so I'm, like, cool with it because what what movies have I seen by him that I like? Gladiator, I enjoy it. Watchmen, I enjoy it. Oh, sorry, uh, 300. Um, 300, but, that's uh, the one. Same shit, but uh, <laughs> so I, I enjoy you know Man of Steel. I love the Snyder Cut against my original thinking, and so yeah. I mean, at this point, it's like let the man do his thing. Is how I honestly feel about it. Look, the one thing that I've said about Snyder before that I'll continue to say is, regardless of whether or not you enjoy his style, regardless of whether or not you agree with his style, at the very least, the man does what he does and doesn't let anyone else tell him what to do. He's one of the last true artists in Hollywood. Now, again, that is polarizing, like you said to many, many different people. But at the very least, you cannot deny that when he's putting 110% into his project, at the very least, I mean, it's been proven twice now. It's the only things that fuck him up are the studios. And, and you know what? Can I just say this before we get too far away from that Of course. Point? That's, I think, why I respect him as a director. Um, because, you know, as a musician, I've definitely had creative partners that have 
wanted to fit a certain style, and so the original vision of just create what naturally comes out of us had gotten lost because we wanted to sound too pop, and that's there was there were very one note, and that's all they wanted to do. And when you collaborate with people, you know you have to. There's a lot of give and take, and so now I'm finally at a place musically where I'm not compromising anymore. And I think Snyder is someone who's never compromised. He's kind of always made the film he wanted to make, and I think right. that's so. Whether or not you like what he's doing. I think as people like us, especially in the film critic community, and of course our viewers, I think we all really get more out of this than a casual audience member. I would hope that they appreciate it as much as I do. Because I think even if, like, listen, we have a positives and negatives section in this in this podcast today because there are negatives. But I do think there's something to respect about just how true to himself he is. That's that's a part of why I love Snyder so much. Say it again. That's the only thing I'm going to say. I don't know what you're talking about with negatives. I had an absolute blast with this movie. Look, the one thing that I can <laughs> say about Snyder is that I don't, I have not necessarily agreed with all of his choices when it comes to storytelling. Like, if you want an example of just like what not to let Snyder go lose, just look at Sucker Punch. But again, every artist is allowed their one, right? And for the most part, right, at the very least, he's been consistent with his track record, right? Obviously, Justice League notwithstanding. But again, Justice League was not, the, the theatrical cut, I mean, was clearly, as we've seen later, not the cut that he had envisioned and had in mind, right? And like, it, it says something obviously about the guy when the fact that like he er he has earned like Christopher Nolan's respect and like Christopher Nolan like went to bat for him and was kind of the sole reason why he ended up getting the DC gig and then for Warner Brothers to just do him dirty like that you know regardless of whether or not you enjoy his movies nobody deserves to be done dirty like the way like the way that Warner Brothers did him you know and outside of the DC movies that he's directed like he's definitely got one of the most interesting filmographies ever like going all the way back to Dawn of the Dead in 04 which is the remake of the Romero classic that actually I think is a pretty good remake and adds a decent amount obviously going based off James Gunn's scripts then he goes with 300 which again is loved by the people who love it i haven't seen that personally but i know you love that movie Watchmen, which just the fact that he was able to pull that movie off in general is a testament in and of itself of what he's able to do with that and then you have his weird early 2010s run with guardians of gahul which i've never seen that movie but just from the clips that i've seen is one of the most insane looking animated movies i've ever seen and then sucker punch which we don't need to talk about sucker punch because that's a whole different podcast in and of itself but i guess the thing that i and that i was looking forward to going into this movie is okay Snyder, this is Snyder's come full circle moment. You know how every one of those directors, once they get to a certain point in their career, they always have that come full circle moment where they kind of look back at the rest of their career. They kind of take everything that they've done into perspective. I noticed this particularly with directors who started off not exactly in the indie route, but like more so with like the lesser budgets and then evolved gradually into big budgets as opposed to what happens now, which is where you get indie directors that just get slapped with big budget $300 million movies as their next movie. And... I have to say that just from that perspective, this movie impressed me as far as that goes. Because to say the least, before we actually get into our thoughts on the movie itself, this movie is Snyder in the best and worst ways possible. If you guys can take my word for that. I definitely think they can. I think I can vouch for that statement. Um, so, yeah, with that all being said, yeah, whether, you, whether or not you like the man, I think it's time we hit our spoiler-free review. Yes. Right. Spoiler-free review. So... I mean, like, just to give some context to this movie, right? So this is, I, I, the, the marketing itself kind of 
it, 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 there's a reason I think why this movie is like kind of so palatable because it's one of those movies where it's like, oh, you know exactly what this is going to be based on the logline, you know? Basically, it's zombie out, zombie outbreak in Vegas, bunch of mercenaries get hired to do a job where they can just hijack $200 million or $20 million, something like that, in the, which is hidden in a vault in the middle of Vegas. And of course, once they go in, they find out that obviously not everything is as it seemed, you know? So we've seen zombie movies before, right? We've seen heist movies before, right? We've seen kind of exploitation movies before, but I think the thing that this movie does differently than all of those is it's able to combine and mix and mesh all three of those different genres in the best ways possible, where you got zombie tigers, you got zombies getting, like, mowed down and sawed in half, you have, like, different types of zombie species that we've ever seen before, and, like, I don't know, like, like it, it's kind of, it, it, it's a movie that, like, works, one of those movies that works so well on paper, but... Even reg but irregardless, kind of of all like the perceived faults in it, it's still one of those movies where it's like it, there's never one moment where you're bored, and never one moment where you can where you're like ah, I want to check my phone. Now you the minute that this movie starts, like from the outbreak, pun intended, and at, and it does all the Snyder things, even right down to the Watchmen thing of using the slow mo flashback of like you know pass using uh, uh, over the opening credits to pass through a certain period of time in order to get us to the present day. You know, so like I still respect him for being able to include some of those old school filmmaking techniques that he utilized so well. But like Chris, kind of like what are your what really before we like get into the movie, like what are just your thoughts on like zombie movies and like the zombie genre and like kind of what's been done with it as far as that goes? You know, like what what did this movie kind of like add to that, you know, for you? Yeah, I mean, I think you know I really enjoy the zombie medium. Um, I'm a pretty big gamer, and a lot of the games I've played have been zombie-oriented. I'm talking, like, Resident Evil, Dying Light, which is an amazing game, and there was definitely some Dying Light-isms in this game, because in that game, Dom, that's sort of like the first video game appearance of the intelligent zombies, the faster-moving, more uh, clever, sort of strategical, physical zombies, and uh, so that was pretty cool to see them on the screen in this film. Not that it was like the first time we ever saw that, but I think to this extent of sentiism is uh, where Snyder really took them in this movie. Yeah. And then, of course, I love, and who doesn't love them, a good Call of Duty Nazi zombies with the boys. So, uh, yeah, yeah and then and that's just video games in the movies. I mean, Train to Busan completely blew me away. That's a phenomenal film. You guys got to go and watch that. I watched The Walking Dead at first, like everyone else, until it got like sour. Like everyone else. <laughs> that Killer John um, Berthold should have been like I, indication number one that that movie was going that that show was going south. Yeah, and then I was lucky enough to go see uh, George Romero's first film in the in theaters for one of those like throwback screenings, and that was just nice. an incredible gift in and of itself to see that for the first time on the big screen. So I definitely love zombies. Like I'm not tired of them. Essentially, is is what I'll say. Like I think a lot of people and a lot of reviews I saw were saying like this is gonna snap you out of that zombie fatigue because I feel like it was never as big of a you know a, a sickness as the superhero sickness we have now is so it's like zombies could have been that but then superheroes kind of just came and like took that mantle yeah. up right before that happened so um, I, I never f fully got encumbered by zombies where I think a lot of other people were like just over it so I, I was I you was welcoming it, to this and I didn't have any like oh a zombie movie this really has to yeah. win me over there was none of that yeah, for me you know what it is? It's the fact of zombies at the end of the day are a horror sub subgenre. And I think the difference is that pe people are always going to kind of overrate horror because let's face it, horror 
only because again it's weird because of like how palatable and more mainstream it has become in recent years but horror me is always going to kind of have that niche factor to it that will always to me at least prevent it from being to like the level of superheroes like i think the reason why we're getting so beyond sick of superheroes is because it's so palatable to a mainstream audience that just like everyone can talk about it and it right. feels like you can't escape like, it you know there are always going to be those people that no matter how you try and pitch it or spin on them they will never watch a horror movie so, you know so that's always going to kind of give it that level of niche factor to it i'll give you a great example of that there was this run of comics that came out in 2016 where um the company i forget their name i think it's like bonero or something one of those old they own flintstones they own the jetsons they own scooby-doo and they own archie and so dc comics they did like a sort of like what if scenario for all four of those different ips i suggested and scooby got a comic run called scooby apocalypse all the other ones of those that run got canceled after like eight issues, which is typically the comic cancellation mark. If you don't hook the viewers over the course of eight issues every other week, you're done. Scooby Apocalypse is still going. So I think wow. what Snyder did with Army of the Dead is what I feel like we've been thankfully kind of in this renaissance with Train to Busan, with sort of, you know, Walking Dead finally sort of losing its hold on the monoculture of zombies we've kind of had like new zombie stories coming into play and i think snyder's just like the first big one in 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 a few years whereas like so that's why there's so that's why the genre is not getting stale is what i'm trying to say because unlike superheroes while they naturally are more safe as you know comics were originally marketed towards children zombies you don't really market those towards children that well. So I think no. the adults have a little bit more of a sandbox to play with and, and make them intricate in their own. I think that I, I think that The Walking Dead hasn't had like a hold on the culture in like a couple of years now. I feel like the last big moment that I remember actually when The Walking Dead had a hold on people was when when Stephen Yun, obviously the famous yes. Glenn Death on the show, when that happened. And that was because that was the last time I watched and then I kind of checked out and tuned out afterwards. But you're right, honestly, as far as like how this is kind of adding to like kind of the subgenre and like kind of that's the beautiful thing in a weird way, right? Of how like certain big budget genres were obviously hurt by like kind of, you know, the superhero boom and streaming obviously coming into play and then others were kind of helped, right? And I definitely feel like like horror is definitely one that has been helped overall. Obviously, with the Shutter exclusive streaming service and all of the different you know movies that have been made that have been going like directly to streaming. You know, obviously the foreign influence. It's allowed for like certain genres that were like kind of you know meant for yesteryear and kind of didn't have a place in you know the modern day pop culture monosphere to actually come back and have like this really cool you know you know little cult movement. You know, and Army of the Dead. Well, I don't necessarily see this as being like a tremendous mainstream success going forward. I definitely could see it achieving cult status. And that's fine because, again, I don't think Snyder is trying to necessarily win anybody over with this. I don't think that's ever what he's tried to do. I don't think that's what he's ever tried to do with any of his movies. He's always been about just like making the movies that he enjoys first. That's part of like what makes him such an enthusiastic personality to follow as far as that goes. Is that at the very least you could tell he is always going to be passionate about his movies that he's involved with. And that showed here because like from the minute that this movie opens, you could tell okay, this is going to go only in one direction <laughs> as far as that goes. Yeah. And, and like I said, if you're not along for the ride in that, like they give you plenty of opportunities to get out as far as that goes, as far as they like uh, announce kind of the initial zombie outbreak and how that eventually leads to Vegas as far as that goes. It's just like, again, to like have a zombie heist movie set in Vegas, like just if, without spoiling anything, like the amount of homages that he's trying to do, whether intentional or unintentional, like, Pretty much almost every movie ever made, let's be honest here. Like, there's there are so bits many. of oceans. Of l- there's so and there's many. even there's like so a Jurassic Park of. homage at the very beginning yeah. where they're in the weeds and it's like the zombie sounds like a velociraptor and he's like circling these two and soldiers. 
and it's just you, you know you're wearing the shirt, so I figured I had to bring it up. And I oh, think man, that works. That actually works. This, this movie to me, uh, you know, spoiler free thoughts, right? It functions on so many different levels. You can get so much out of it, really. And and I know that's silly to say if you've seen it, but I think there is some actual substantial sort of heartwarming story here where if you want that, it's there, but I don't think it's the core. Obviously, the core of this is, hey, I'm Zack Snyder, and it's been a wild year, and I know this movie's coming out right after the Snyder Cut, so I'm going to plan this out so you guys are pretty much going to kind of get... like I feel like there's his frustration about the past two years with the whole Snyderverse coming out in this movie. I feel like there's sort of like a counterculture, artistic take that he's trying to get out i just feel like there's so much in here that he's like you know every movie's so serious and every movie is so of you can't escape what's happening in the news right now and i'm gonna bring you back to before that was a thing because i'm gonna give you a world that's so dire that you're gonna wish you had like some of the issues that are happening right now in the real world like because that's how bleak this scenario he puts these characters in is and in a typical snyder way he does it in such a sense where it's like still kind of classy even for it being so insane even if there are moments where you're like ah Exactly, but like you're just along (laughs) for the ride, and man, this movie is. I mean, first of all, the cast is perfect in my opinion. It's it's the perfect cast for this type of movie. Like it's Dave Bautista (laughs) and like a bunch of other people. Where if you've seen a million different TV shows and things, that you'll recognize some of the people, and if not, it's just a cast of that guys, and it just allows you to impress the character to like kind of get. Well, well, relate to the characters more, you know, without being, like, distracted by the artifice of the celebrity. Look, the only other thing that I'll say about this is that I don't think necessarily that there's anything that this movie adds, per se, to, like, kind of the overall, like, range of where cinema can go. But I think this is kind of the next in a line of movies that we've been seeing in the first couple months of the year since things have slowly started opening up since the pandemic that basically says, hey, you want to come back to the movies? We're going to give you the absolute best possible time that you could have. We saw this with I Care A Lot earlier on Netflix. We saw this with nobody. In a weird way, it's happened with um, the Snyder Cut. Again, problematic as certain of these movies were. We saw it with Godzilla vs. Kong. We saw it with Mortal Kombat. And as much as we hated it, at the very least, Spiral was trying to give people like a good, fun time. Although, yeah. why people like to watch Saw Traps for a good time, I have no idea. But like, And this is kind of the next movie that's in line with that, where it's like, okay, we're not giving you something, anything particularly deep. We're not necessarily even giving you something that you haven't seen before. But what we're going to do but what we're gonna do is we're going to give you this hella bombastic, over-the-top ridiculousness. We're going to give you just so much personality, so much charm and joy in this movie and it's gonna feel so refreshing just given the last bleak year that we've come out of that you're gonna feel like you're watching something new and at the end and at the end of the day you're gonna have a great time watching it no matter what yeah because i mean you know the stories that we you know they've been told there's nothing really new we can offer it's just sort of how can you spin it and so what he kind of does it's like it's like jazz fusion you know there's a little funk there's a little folk there's a little soul there's a little rock like he takes so many different genres and blends them into this perfect concoction where it does feel new although it is you know if you strip it down to each individual layer kind of like what i was saying there's a drama there's a heist there's a zombie film you know and so on so forth and there's of course the comedic sidekicks that are in there's there the comedic there's the comedic relief that you kind of need you know modern day cinema at least has trained us to need i don't think you need it but it has trained us to need it and and look snyder's one of those guys that he does do it but he does it well where it feels natural yes. and so yeah i think there's nothing new here but it's it's a 
nice little blend, you know? It's like taking old ingredients and spicing things up a little bit, and I can appreciate yes. that. And he's not trying, yes, though, to make this big statement, this big cinematic Irishman sort of statement with this movie. No diss I love the Irishman, and Scorsese wasn't pretentious about it. I'm just saying, like, I feel like that was a statement movie. And so that's why I compare the two, especially because Netflix is the medium. And, and so, with all that being said, like, I think we can jump into more specific topics. I just want to say yes. my last spoiler-free thought, my only real spoiler-free negative, I wish Netflix would screen their movies in our area. Yeah. I really, yeah. we had a blast watching this. Like, just so you guys know, we hung out in my garage, and we had a TV on, and we had a bunch of the boys over, the film school crew, and we had a blast, man. We were just it laughing the so whole time. so much fun. I, it was so funny, because I even called, when Chris and I were talking about watching this movie, right, because we were we knew we were going to hang out last night, and I'm like, Chris, we're watching Army of the Dead, right? And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm like, you, I'm like, and he told me that there were some boys coming over, and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, because you know this is going to be a movie that you have to watch with people, because yeah. I cannot preface this enough, right? There's the streaming movie that you can watch in your own and have a blast with and I commend you for those people for that but this is the type of movie that you watch with the group totally. you know, they, I, I cannot stress this enough this is the type of movie that you watch with the group because oh man like Chris what was Tyler's reaction when you texted him that we were watching this movie you gotta say it specifically as it was yeah Tyler said fuck yeah <laughs> he was in and and i i told dom that he would say that before i even asked tyler the question tyler's one of our film school friends guys he also knows professor yes. pat just to build our tvu out a little bit for the uh the real everything's gotta be a cinematic here. universe you yep. know we're, we're gonna get into that so my, in a little bit because everything applies to this movie yeah so i'll let you parlay us into the next topic dom but my only regret is netflix please give us some theaters i would have as yeah. much as fun as i had i I really wish I could see this on the big screen. It's, you know what? It, it's funny because I, I I didn't want to go too long into the Netflix of it all because this is one of the few instances where, like you said, at least until you brought at that point, Netflix says this right. But again, like, Netflix, man. Like... The screen your goddamn movies outside of New York City. Like it's it sucked because like I said previously Netflix was really only did that in order to kind of appease the Oscars so that like they could get Marriage Story, they could get The Irishman, and they could get Roma the year before nominated for Oscars. You're not getting an Oscar know? with and this then, one. <laughs> no, well, well that's the thing because the Oscars wouldn't the Oscars weren't giving them shit anyways because the Oscars hate Netflix because they're a threat to the you know foundation of old Hollywood, which is true. But like. So the, the, the whole thing, right, about this movie is that they were making a big deal about screening this in theaters, and I'm like, great, but they're still only doing it to the, in the big metropolises. It's like, Netflix, come on, man. Yeah. Like, you want you don't want to get killed by the other streaming services. I'm, like, telling you, this is the way to do it. If there was ever a movie to watch in theaters, you know, that's screened directly on Netflix, man, this would be it. This would honestly be it. So those are our spoiler-free thoughts kind of on Army of the Dead. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Be sure to also click the like button and the subscribe button on this video. And be sure to click out the audio version of this video. It will be up on Saturday. Now, oh, sorry, it will be up on Wednesday. I'm getting my dates mixed around. So, Chris, we talked a little bit about kind of a myriad of different things. We talked about Snyder. We talked about kind of the stuff that happens in the movie itself, right? A thing that I wanted to get to... Next is, I, I loved our zombie point that we were talking about, so I wanted to kind of dive a little deeper into that. Sure. Is this the best zombie movie ever made? Because, look, there have been a lot of interesting zombie movies that we've sat through overall, right? We've sat there, obviously, Shaun of the Dead being revolutionary. Everything that Romero's touched, obviously. There's, you know, the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead, Train to Busan, even World War Z a couple years ago, which, fun fact, was a movie that was in development hell for a while, and guess who came in and saved that movie? Um, I'm going to take a random guess. Snyder? Your boy, Damon Lindelof, came in oh, and that. rewrote Damn, the whole third act of that movie and apparently saved it from what I heard because I think the thing that impressed me the most 
as far as if we're just getting into the zombies, is besides the unapologetic fun and kind of the, some of the more ridiculous natures that this movie kind of only like pokes fun at, but like only because we have the knowledge, right, that this is getting follow-up material, like this is getting a prequel movie and this is getting an animated series yeah, what the which hell? of all properties <laughs> to get, but I'm like, okay, I guess just like Netflix just saw the marketability of this and is like, screw it, we're running with this. And like there, there's scenes where they're like, they're referencing, they're like, oh, are these zombies actually aliens? And like, oh, look, it's us, but in an alternative time, like just shut them quite frankly has no business being in this movie at all but they just randomly drop it because they can Incredible. right but such a but damn I think overall moment. oh it's it's so it's so great but i think the thing that i love the most is the fact that again this is just it's doing that thing that I love that movies do, which is just blending different genres, right? Like, you've got the heist part that is Ocean 11, Ocean's Eleven, right? But then they actually get into the city, and you find, like, kind of, like, how the zombies have evolved, right? That's the one thing I will give this movie credit to. This movie does a fantastic job with, with, with its passage of time, definitely, as far as, like, kind of showing, you know, the initial outbreak and, you know, building to the actual outbreak. It's interesting because that's most, that's a thing that, like, I feel like most of the time, whenever we get these zombie movies, we either see them, like, right at the beginning of the outbreak, and then we cut ahead right to, like, the middle the out, you know, like when things have like like gone really gone bad, like aftermath. But we never see like the actual like process of things going bad, and that's already one thing that I can give this movie credit for, as far as how it's able to handle that. And then like I don't know, like just 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 from like a logistics sake, right? Because we have to ask this question every time we have these movies. Like you're going into a zombie infested city, right? How much money is really worth it, right? I get it, right? Like, I, I kind of can, can kind of understand, like, the motivation specifically from the main character, Dave Bautista's character, versus the fact that it's like, yeah, they went out of their way in order to try and, like, help as many people as the city was getting, like, taken over, you know, but they had to wall it off. And now he's flipping burgers at, like, a, an, an offshoot off diner, you know, an offshoot diner just in the middle of nowhere. So, I, like, I get that as far as that goes, as far as that compensation. But, like... Really? Like, you're going to go into that zombie-infested city just to get that much money when, like, the the odds of possibility... Like, those are, like, just... I, I get it. Like, that's not the thing that you're supposed to think about with this movie. But that's just kind of, like, the parts where my movie go... Where my kind of movie-obsessed brain goes to. No, yeah. Like I said, there was some areas of this movie that uh, I think the ball was slightly dropped a little bit. So if we're asking the question, right, is this the best zombie movie ever made... I think there were some very interesting through lines that were just dropped. And, and again, this isn't the spoiler-free section anymore, guys, so I am just going to say it. That was your warning. We had this very interesting little storyline with the zombie impregnating another zombie and this love yes. that they seemed to share, his queen, right? Yes. And he really wanted to protect his queen, and that was interesting. But then they kind of just cut it out in the middle of the movie, no pun intended. Yeah. And it kind of just goes nowhere, and it, it kind of just uses, like, plot armor in order to just, like, oh, get the one lead zombie to, like, attack them, you Like, know? it adds so much depth when you first yes. see it, and it happens so early in the film where it could be an interesting sort of breadcrumb trail that we follow to this ins insane conclusion, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And, and yeah. then there's a sort of a second thread in regards to the sentient zombies, which I think I'm going to be a little bit hard on the sentient zombies because it's such an interesting idea. And this is the furthest right. I've ever seen someone take that idea. Right. In a dramatic sense. We in should, a dramatic we sense. Also right. Video say. games have. But then again, there's different storytellings between the mediums and that's more interactive right. and you can never achieve the same depth, which is why I think if there's a place to solidify what a sentient zombie is, it's the movie. And I think that that was it's a movie rather. And I think that this was this movie's chance to do that to sort of set a precedent. And I think it failed because we have that same zombie who has his queen die and loses his child who abducts or, or sorry, um, takes hostage these humans and like makes them wait before he turns them 
and we don't really understand why. Is there some sort of ritual? Is there a religion, some tribalism, some culture that they respect, that there's not a reason that they devour them as instantly as they do the others? And so it's this really weird moment where if we know Batista's daughter's whole through line is to go in there and save this woman who she was looking out for as a volunteer for the refugees who got displaced when Vegas became, you know, ground zero, essentially. Why are they sort of the lucky ones who get to sit up in the broken down Olympus hotel? Why are they not instantly devoured like the rest? It just, it doesn't make sense. And it just felt like a reason to get her into the movie and to have this daughter father moment in the very last scene. It kind of felt like a reason to get her inside and to sort of go through this mending process with Batista's character as we see throughout the film. And I think the ball was kind of dropped a little bit short in regards to like our main villain, like, as we were all jokingly saying, our Night King zombie. So I think, is this the best zombie movie? Aside from some of my, and I'm not going to say nitpicks because I do think they are legitimate criticisms. Aside from some of my criticisms, I think I wouldn't answer that question regardless, and here's why. Because I think without Aramero, without sort of Evil Dead, I know it wasn't necessarily zombies, but we kind of had some of the sentient demon playing around and sort of being manipulative and smarter than we think. Horror... And all art, but I think horror especially, is a medium where to say something is definitively the best is wrong because it's been such a hard genre to get going over the years as the audiences of of yesteryear weren't as desensitized. So maybe filmmakers had these ideas, but they knew there was no way in hell they were going to get this made because of how shocking it was. And so it's kind of one of those things that slowly over time needs to sort of keep chipping away and breaking down the way we perceive things. And so we honestly wouldn't have... Have Army of the Dead had it not been for the expert way that Aramero, um, you know, uh, Carpenter, some of the older guys of yesteryear were able to sort of slowly incorporate these very grotesque and creepy things to our culture that was obviously way more sensitive in the 70s and 80s and 60s than we are now. So I think that's tricky. But like, what's your take on all that? Yeah, the sentient zombies are an interesting bit because, like, the movie starts off with one very specific thing, right? It's like you have the outbreak and then you have the city walled off, right? So it's like, okay, like, everyone's already, like, kind of treating this smarter and more intelligently than everything else, right? It's not a situation of, oh, it's an outbreak. They don't really know what it is. Next thing you know, people start slowly start getting turned one by one. And then by the time they realize what's going on, it's already too late. You know, this already starts off with, like, a very specific direction, right? And it kind of shows us, like, oh, the impacts of, like, a small few are going to, like, contribute to the spread, ultimately, as we see, obviously, with the post credit scene, right, with the Omari Hardwick character. But the sentient zombies are an interesting bit because that almost felt like it was a way to, like, Kind of, they're like, okay, this is like kind of the only place that I'm really going to be able to experiment with this, right? Because obviously, this is not the first time that Snyder has kind of like experimented around with like the zombie subgenre, right? You have all the way going back to Dawn of the Dead, which is where a pregnant woman gets bitten by a zombie, turns into a zombie, and then she gives birth to a newly zombified baby. Like, I don't know what his obsession is with zombie babies as far as that goes, but I think kind of the whole like ritualistic element of it, all of that stuff like going on with the zombies as far as like how there was a hierarchy between like kind of the shamblers as they called them and the higher-ups like the more intelligent alpha ones that they call them i thought that was really interesting but the the disappointing thing was as again i'm really glad that you brought up the game of thrones element is because at the end of the day they just game of thrones did as far as that goes where that was only there in order to kind of take up extra screen time and give more context to the antagonist which ultimately unfortunately we're at the end of the day still just like you know 
what's the word like uh what's it called like like punching bags for our heroes to just mow through you know like kind of what's it called like, like unnamed but like npcs for our yeah. heroes to mow through you know for lack of a better word ultimately which is kind of disappointing because this movie as far as the zombie of it all goes like had a chance to like do something really interesting and experimental and then probably in like a slower like more methodically paced movie i would definitely say that they probably would have would have had the time but again that's not the type of movie this is this is an action movie so they're only there to like kind of throw down and mow down so as far as like kind of my overall interest in it goes my interest can only go as far as the main zombie villain you know whatever we see him at the beginning and then later obviously you know how he's kind of like ascended to like this the top of like this zombie hierarchical pyramid it's only to like kind of give more context right to the antagonists now with the protagonists on the other hand right i think one of the other subtle underrated charms of zombie movies and really kind of these types of horror movies in general is being able to throw kind of this random crazy crew of people together and kind of see how they bounce off of each other and see how they do. I think the mist, the Stephen King adaptation from 2007 did this really well. And oh man, like they, they, they got a cast to say the least in order to bounce off of it. Because honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be that person to say that I am not seeing a cast of this many colorful characters since Ocean's 11. Like I like I really have like yeah. that element they nailed really really and you well. You know it's funny Vince Vaughn's popping in my head right now too. I almost want like because we know we're gonna be getting actually you know what? I gotta save that for the cinematic universe topic. But yeah. remind me to bring up the Vince Vaughn of it all in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, um, we'll get there. Uh, you know, to answer the question though, is this like the best zombie movie of all time? I certainly think it could be the defining zombie movie of this decade. Like, I have not had this much fun watching a movie in a long time. I haven't craved to go back and watch a movie like again in the same weekend. God, I, I don't remember when. It, it has to be sometime, once upon a time in Hollywood. It's been about almost two years. And, you know, I feel the same sort of wow, I need to see this again and again. Yeah. And so just because of, I think, how hard it's been for horror to sort of establish itself as a legitimate and respectable genre, I just think it's unfair to sort of... Because de- I think it would diminish the achievements of the films of which this clearly stands on the shoulders of. Because, again, it's sort of like building up to it. But I do think, wow, all right, the game has been changed. And that is a yes. fact. And you guys, yes. look, hey, zombie guys out there, filmmakers, you got a bar that was just set very early on in the decade. Yep. Now, Dom, you got to yep. answer the question you proposed. Is this the All best right. zombie movie? Yes. I'm curious. Okay, so right, so obviously the best in anything movie related is always going to be a subjective term to coin our friend Brando, a Brando critic. And so obviously <laughs> for there to be one definitively best movie, right? Do you go with the original? Do you go with the one that like subverted the genre? Obviously, Night of the Living Dead will always be kind of like the original zombie movie, but there have been so many different iconic ones, right? Dawn of the Dead, which Romero kind of upverted in and of himself. You know, Night of the Living Dead is kind of like only within a select group of people, and it's still strange to me how like not necessarily zombie action, but like how much more of like kind of a message and an allegory movie that is you know both both night of the living dead and dawn of the dead obviously with night of the living dead for being race and dawn of the dead being about consumerism but then you have like i said more modern ones that kind of just wanted to have fun with the genre you know like how sam raimi kind of brought it back with the evil dead that one had more of a supernatural element to it versus in recent years zombies have like gotten more of like a sci-fi twist to them right obviously for me my go-to still is Shaun of the dead which ironically enough came out the same year as dawn of the dead like i don't think i've ever seen that where it's like a parody of a remake kind of but Shaun of the dead is obviously so much more but Shaun of the dead has the british element of it so while i won't say that this is necessarily the best zombie movie that i've ever seen it certainly adds a hell of a lot more to the genre than i was ever expecting as far as that goes you know totally. so 
with that being said, that's kind of the end of our discussion as far as like kind of the whole zombie element of it. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Let us know how you think this compares to other zombie movies. Let us know what your favorite zombie movie overall is. And let us know ultimately how you think this compares and what it adds to the rest of the genre overall. Be sure to leave that in the comment section below. Be sure to also click the like and the subscribe button on this YouTube page. And be sure to also follow us on our Facebook and Instagram profiles at Talking TV Podcast. So, Chris, we talked a little bit about Zack Snyder before. And we talked about how this compares to the rest of his work. And that's all fine and good. But I wanted to talk about the, the cast real quick. Because there are a couple of points that like I wanted to bring up as far as in order to hitting that about the cast. Like, so you've got obviously Dave Batista, who has been very, very vocal recently, kind of about, you know, he's kind of hopping on like the anti-Marvel train. I think that I think that I, I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that we're getting a, a, a little bit of a Ray Fisher situation. Obviously, again, mm. that was kind of what it was. But as far as, oh, I don't think he likes where the fate of his character is going. So he's trying to like continue to like use his big mouth, which obviously we know he was famous for in his WWE in his, uh what's it called? Was it was it WWE yeah. or was it UFC WWE. That he was in? And that he was famous for in his WWE days in order to kind of like make sure his marketability doesn't go down, which he I don't really know why was. he would be worried about that because Batista, in addition to being like way more charming and charismatic than I ever would have pictured it, is also quite possibly the best wrestler turned actor that I've seen yet. Like he's got chops as far as that goes. Every single thing that I've seen him in where he's not just being used as like a giant hunk piece of meat bodyguard, he like has some real chops here. And like as far as him being kind of like the lead of this movie, like he does that really weird, interesting thing where he's both the centerpiece of everyone, where he gravitate everyone kind of gravitates towards him initially, but he also doesn't necessarily stand out and overpower everyone else. It's a really unique, interesting thing that I haven't seen in a while, where this is an ensemble piece with a very clear and definitive lead character, but, like, the ensemble really gets the chance to play, you know? And it's an interesting batch of, like, mix of, like, character actors versus actors that you've never heard before. Like, you got Omari Hardwick, obviously, famously just uh, finished with power, Ella Purnell, Anna Dela Bragura, Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy, famously playing another, another douche-tool character, Matthias Schweigelfer, who I've never heard of before, as the scene stealer Dieter, the safe cracker Nora Arnesiter, Hiroyuki Sonata, obviously, who was just earlier in Mortal Kombat, Garrett Dillahunt, Tig Notaro, obviously, famously coming in and replacing Chris D'Elia after he was fired from this movie, Raul Castillo, who I literally just saw last week in Wrath of Man. So, like, there's a lot of people here, definitely, that it's like, but I like when movies do that, where they're able to like take that cast of like, okay, you would never in a million years think of any of these guys really as being the ones together, but they just all work so well and they all fit like a glove, you know? And I feel like that's, if we're talking about the Snyder element as well, that's kind of a more always been an underrated element of Snyder's movies is the fact that because everyone is always so focused on the visuals, they always say that his characters don't get that much development, which I don't really agree with that criticism. I've never really agreed with that criticism, but like Watchmen, the original Dawn of the Dead, like even with Justice League recently, he they guy knows how to work with ensembles definitely and i think that the cast is definitely like one of if not the strongest element of this movie yeah so i'm gonna chip away at what you said sort of piece by piece and i'm gonna start with the batista situation i think that this was the first movie where we kind of got to see ken batista do it and what do i mean by do it well we've seen him do sort of like silly little like you know jokey movies um that movie where he's like the cop with the kid or whatever and that's like a fun family yeah. friendly movie i think Oh, what was it? That's the spy, something yeah. like the my spy or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and and you know, look, you can. That's an easy movie to pull off to do it well and to make it as big as he did. It kind of raked in a little bit of cash. Good for him. Like he was able to pull that off. But like Schwarzenegger was easily able to do that with Kindergarten Cop, and there was Vin Diesel did it with the pacifier. Exactly. It's kind of like an easy. <laughs> I'm a big muscular guy with a little kid family fun movie. It's it's an archetype yep. that 
okay, you got to be able. The Rock even did it at some point. Yeah, exactly. You 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 got to <laughs> be able to hit it, and he did a good job of it. But it doesn't really show the depth of your palate. Drax, great character, but you know, Drax isn't the star of the show in those movies. It's right. it's all it's the Chris Pratt. It's the Chris Pratt show, and, you know, hey. And later on, the Rocket Raccoon of the Groot show. Yeah, so, I mean, Drax certainly adds to what I think is so special about the Guardians films, but he's not, like, the star. So when he has his moments, he plays a very one-note, but but compelling character very well. And so this is the first time where it's like, all right, he's the lead in an IP where we have no preconceived notions about what is this going to be like. Can he pull it off? And, you know, when Snyder... Say all you will about him. I personally do see the criticism, so that they don't bother me. And I'll be honest, I'll admit that. Snyder's criticisms do not bother me, because I respect just how artistic and unforgiving he is with the way he writes and the way he directs, and in this movie, even shoots a film. Um, but when you accept a script from Snyder, he's a filmmaker. Say what you will about him, there's going to be some challenging material in there for his actors. And they're really going to have to embody a character. And they're really going to have to step up to the plate. Because, hey man, this guy's going to throw you fastballs. And he's going to make sh- he's gonna demand the best of you. And so as silly as this movie is, there's substance to it. Which you would expect from Snyder. Because even at his worst, there is great character work in his movies. At least out of the batch that I've seen. And uh, thankfully, with this year, it's growing quite a bit. And so I think Batista, we kind of got to see with this film, all right, he kind of has some chops. Like, I believed his daughter-father dynamic. You know, I believed sort of like his motivation to go in there, get the money. I believed it wasn't really about the money for him, you know? I mean, that was nice. That was a perk. But he, he felt really like a guy who had been scarred from something horrific that he survived through, who was just sort of going through, having no purpose, with like obviously very capable s- set of skills and just kind of wasting away you know he ran away from a relationship that that seemed like it could have been very amazing for him and 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 given him some happiness and i believe the depth of his character granted i think he still has a lot to learn but for him to pull this off and to not be a hindrance but actually be a positive is huge for him because he hasn't been acting for that long either it's not as long as the rock it's definitely not as long as john cena and he's definitely way more natural than john cena if we're gonna do that wrestler comparison so I was really impressed by him in this movie. It wasn't like, you know, an Oscar-worthy performance. Obviously not. But it was very, really... Imp- I was very impressed from Batista. Now, here's... Well, the thing about it, too... Oh, sorry sorry to cut you off. But the, but the, the only really thing that I wanted to add to Batista is the fact that he's done that really interesting thing that, like, when you first start out, like, he works with, like, for the most part, very good people. Like, he kind of got spoiled early on in his career where the first two people that he works with are James Gunn and Denny Villeneuve. Like, he literally, Denny Villeneuve cast him in the beginning of Blade Runner 2049, and now he's playing, like, right. a major villain antagonistic part in the upcoming Dune. Like, he's been spoiled as far as the 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 caliber of director that he's gotten to work with so early on in his, in his acting well, career. Well, his agents, his team, himself, they make good choices. And I think that's a huge part Indeed. of being an actor, understanding your, your depth and your scope and and constantly learning and growing, and I think he's doing it all right. You know, I think that's why for his archetype in the WWE, for him to be the second longest reigning champion of all time as the big, giant, brooding, strongman archetype, for him to develop a personality in WWE where for so long it was like the Andre the Giants, the, um, you know, uh, Dusty Rhodes, like the sort of like they come and go big guy to have the little tiny, small, muscular guy beat up and eventually overcome. For him to sort of flip that on its side, 
like that's crazy. Of course, The Rock gets some credit. The Rock did that too. Of course, but Batista is way bigger than The Rock even is. And like when they first introduced him, there was no hint of like stardom like The Rock. He was just kind of like the right. big beast. And for him to like. It just says something about, you know, who he is as an artist, because I do think he's becoming, I think he is an artist. I think he's finally crafting out, like, the full scope of his artistic palette. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was very impressed I think with him. The, I think the, and, yeah, I think the big difference between Batista and The Rock is The Rock is a celebrity, first and foremost. Batista is an actor. First and foremost, and huh. I think, and there's obviously, as we've Good talked point. about on the show, there's a big, big difference between those two types of mentality. That's a great point, and I want to clarify: SmackDown champion, not WWE as a whole, yes. because Batista really never got on Raw. Anyways, this isn't a WWE podcast, and so we're gonna get into the ensemble cast now because we're talking about the casting and how that impacts the movie here, right? Yes. I thought so much of it worked, and then I thought so much of it didn't. I. Really? You got to tell me the parts that you think didn't work, because I'll be interested to hear yeah, that. Well, first of all, I, of course, got to shout out my dude from Lost. Um, let me see if I can pronounce his name correctly. Hiroyuki Sonata. Yeah, Hiroyuki Sonata. I love him and everything he's in. He is the reason why that sixth season has some life and some charm to it. He's just phenomenal. But, you know, as much as I wanted to love uh, the character of Tig, it just felt too forced. It was, I think, it yeah. was impressive because it looked like she was actually there in the moment right. but you could tell that it was clearly a, a punch in an insert as they like to call it in yes. the biz and especially like in her first scene there's a moment where batista's character says all right man you you know you're 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 on our team and you're like i wanted to see if you, you caught can't that. fix everything i suppose yeah you can't they did a great job though and the fact that she was not with any of the rest of the cast on any of that is impressive to say the least it just shows snyder's like visual talent yeah, oh for sure it, it definitely shows his visual talent it shows his depth of understanding of of and i think that's something you get and and I really am happy that we've kind of broken the mold of you can only do one job on a film set. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, thank you for that, I guess. I used to love you. I yeah, don't really right. love you too much anymore. But at least you did that, in my opinion. Like we, Because, you know, Snyder really understands this project. And so it's less scary for him to have to make a change like that, cutting a character out and bringing a new one in. Right. Because he's so involved, involved in every aspect of this movie but i think it was pretty obvious and while she tried it kind of fell a little short for me and i, I have to imagine there were scenes with chris D'Elia that brought that character more to life because i could not yeah. see that character being as minuscule in the plot as probably it is on the page and i thought that showed yeah. i also think you know because some of the motivations were a little um thin in regards to you know batista's daughter just sort of like going in there and sort of like just being so annoyingly like, you know, I'm going to mess this mission up for you. Right. It, it just, yeah, that I'll get into the bits with the daughter because was, that, 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 that's some parts that I'm like, I'm not a fan. I'm like, Oh, we're bringing these cliches and, back. Oh, wonderful. and I loved, um, you know, uh, I think his name is Mikey Guzman who played the YouTuber. Yeah. I loved. Yes. Raul Castillo. That was great. Why did they go yeah, more in depth I know. With that? I love that because that was Snyder so has an affinity towards YouTube. I mean, he's fascinated by it. He's constantly guesting on YouTube channels, doing various fundraisers and stuff. And apparently he watches some YouTube and it's like really cool that he like acknowledged that, incorporated it, but also kind of like poked fun at it and showed how like it isn't good for art in the same time. Like I got all that, you know, it kind of promotes the worst of our culture. Like he's literally a YouTuber who goes out and does like viral kill videos of zombies. And like that is pretty grotesque and kind of like a sad thing to go viral. It's, it's a great, it's a great cultural observation, I thought, but then we don't go further with it. Like I, 
and this is I'm not a writer and I hate doing this, but like we should have just went for I'm not going to offer any suggestions of how to have brought it out because that's not my place. But I do think I agree with you. I wanted more of that. And I wanted more of yeah. each of these characters, you know, individual no, personalities. But I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why as far as just that individual element goes. It's because it's that it commits that other cardinal sin that we've talked about, that we've talked about many times that I will continue to bring up on this show, which is it introduces something cool and then does nothing with it. So rather than it feeling like a valuable plot point, it ends up feeling just like a character gimmick in order to try and separate him from the rest of the but, pack. You know, that's what it ultimately ends up feeling like, which is you've got this ensemble of all these different characters, and each one of these actors are good actors. That's the thing. It's not like they're like, oh, there's like clearly someone's over compensating for the fact that like one of these guys can't act they're all i think great actors they all you know despite their motivations bring something interesting to the table but it's the certain specific elements of it where it's like oh Mario hardwick and dieter the german guy aren't necessarily going to get along but then that's just a code word for the fact that they're going to be like best of friends at right. the end and oh like the like like oh the one chick says oh i don't trust you so naturally that means oh that means she's gonna die at first you know like these little character moments where it's like they're, they're right at home in horror movies and horror movie structure, but, like, we've come to expect so much more from that. We've come to expect so much more than just, like, you know, the characters being types that get killed off. And, like, I will give this movie credit for, like, trying to develop its characters a little more, but it's, like, at the end of the day, like, it's just, more than anything, it's just a dead giveaway that it's like, oh, none of these guys are making it out alive by the end. No, I, I totally agree with all of that, but here's the thing. I think we've been in such a Snyder bubble this past year where we've watched, and I've done my homework, watched a few of his back catalog and sort of really kind of started to study the man I almost think it's like it is some of it is the performer's fault I agree or or rather lack of performers uh presence in those characters but I also think Snyder kind of does it to his actors because we don't need a full song in a movie we don't need like an eight minute montage you know we can kind of get the point a little quicker as cinematically pleasing and amazing as like every aspect of this movie was his time management is a bit iffy. I mean, the Snyder Cut a didn't need bit. to be four hours. It didn't need to be and, four hours and long. And yet we still Same want more characters. I was putting it scenes. I'm like, could have cut that. Could have cut that. Could have cut that. You know, like, I hate to do that. Just, I was looking at the runtime. I'm pretty sure this is the second longest movie that Netflix has ever done. It is. Since Behind the, the Irishman. Irishman. Yeah. Like, this is two and a half hours long. Like, like, I think the only longer thing that Netflix has is the Irishman at three and a half hours to long. His, to his, uh, you know, favor, it doesn't feel long. But I, I will say Snyder does kind of deserve some of his criticisms because he, I think, really makes films for himself. And he must have one hell yes. of a pitch to the studios where they think they're getting oh, something yeah. for them. They're not. I don't think the man's ever done the whole one for you, one for me thing. I think it's all no, been for him. Never. <laughs> I, I think he did it. I think he did it one time with Sucker Punch, and then everyone was like, "Oh, you'll never work in this town again." And then Christopher Nolan just came out and be like, "Hey," and was like, "Hey, Warner Brothers just offered me to do Superman because they love the Batman movie so much, but I kind of wanted to be done with superhero movies. You want to take this over?" And that's what kind of led to that. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. And that ended up being the best thing for his career because now he's got such this loyal, diehard following that now he can just make whatever the hell he wants for the rest of his career. And like, yeah, sure, we'll criticize the movies when they come out, but like at the very least, we know we're going to get something wholly unique that is creative, like sold to him. And again, the movie's paced well. It's hella entertaining. The stupid moments, right? At the very least, we can get on board, but like the minute that Garrett Dillahun is commenting about like how unnatural the zombie tiger is, we're like, yep, he's going to get killed by the zombie yeah. tiger. And I almost got fooled, but like he ran out of the casino and they were like, and all the rest of you guys turned to me and were like, come on, he's going to get eaten by the tiger. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. And then the zombie tiger comes and I just, I just got to do a quick 
non sequitur. I love how he just like smacks him casually and like throws him thirty feet on a wall. I'm like, wow, yeah. like they are they are not messing around as far as that. It was goes. crazy. Batista but, uh, even had superpowers with how he lifted that table up yeah, for a right? second there. But I will say this. I mean. I'm definitely a Snyder fan, but I want to be a good critic, and I understand the Snyderisms. Yes. I think it hurt the cast a little bit. But, uh, yes. you know, hey, let us know what you thought about the cast. Did you like this movie? Did Batista shine quite uh, the way you thought that, at least I thought he did? And and what was your overall thoughts of sort of, you know, this, this, uh, this group of misfits, I would say, that we got to see come together to make this movie? Let us know in the comments below. Of course, subscribe. Give this video a like. It would really help out the channel. And please hit that thumbs up and notification bell so you never miss when we post content. We post content a lot. And Dom, um, you have one final topic for us this uh, one evening? One final topic, yes. Which is, of course, again, it's really annoying me because like, this is the second week in a row now where we're talking about this in, rela in relation to another existing IP. And like again, like zombie movies we've had, right? We talked about Snyder and everything as far as that goes. But like... This movie is already leading to its own cinematic universe. Like, this is getting a prequel surrounding the Dieter character and an animated series spinoff? Like, what? What the hell? Like, explain this to me. Explain this to me. Because I, I can't explain this one bit. Like, this is the perfect instance of a one and done. But, like, this already reeks of, like, Netflix just not being able to leave well enough alone. Yeah. I mean, you know, in typical Snyder fashion, there is an end credit scene that leaves it open-ended. But I will say, like, you don't always have to jump on that. Right. And Netflix, yeah. I think this is like the streaming wars, man. It's it's the whole knives out situation where, hey, look, yeah. that movie did so much better than anyone thought it was ever going to do. We're going to buy the rights, not even help fund it, not even, you know, any of the budgets. We're just going to buy the rights for four hundred and fifty million dollars and then put more money into it to produce this thing, cast it and get it off the ground for two movies, four hundred fifty million dollars. This to me is uh, because it, the news kind of came out, I'd say, in the midst of how well this movie's being received, so it hasn't really blown up yet, as as big as, I, I think, outside of our, our community. But, I mean, to me, this is just another streaming wars. How can I make my service the place to be, the place to go? I'm happy. Like, I'm cool to see more of this. Me too. I, you know, I was hoping we could get away from cinematic universes. At least this isn't a superhero one, you know, or Star Wars or something like that. Yeah. And sure, I, I'm nervous that there's apparently two prequels. Like, I want to see this Mexico City movie. I don't really want to see two yeah, prequels in an right? animated show. I want to see... Because like, cause, cause the whole... <clears throat> sorry. Because the whole thing about the end credit scene is the fact that, like, it's the first zombie instance where it's like, yeah, the zombies are eradicated, right? They blow up Vegas with a freaking nuclear bomb <laughs> at the end of this movie. Like, the zombies are essentially eradicated after this. And then with the Omari Hardwick survival, but it turns out he got bitten, right? It's like, oh, they, they're clearly setting up. It's like, oh, this one's not done yet, you know, as far as that goes. And, like, how that just spells so much out for, like, the future of where this is going. But, like, why they're going backwards, it's just questionable, right? Especially for a movie that is like, yeah, if I never got a sequel to this, I would be fine. Well, I'm fine with this being just a one-and-done, fun, dumb action movie, right? I'm fine with that. But, like, as far as this already getting prequels, like, it was one of those things where I heard about it, and I kind of brushed it off. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And then I saw it, see the movie, and the movie's just as awesome as I was hearing about and that I was hoping that it was going to be. And then I hear that, and if anything, it just kind of leaves more of a bad taste in my mouth because it's like, just why? You know, I like know. I, I, I don't see the instance of like, like, where is the sense as far as like, oh, you know what? People are more so going to want to see from this. They're going to want to see a prequel to this, you know, as 
it is, like, zombie movies in and of themselves are not necessarily, like, kind of lending to a sequel, you know, to sequels in general, because usually just because by the end of, you know, the respective movies, most people are dead, you know? Right. So, like, I like I, I didn't watch the sequel to Train to Busan that came out. I know, obviously, that the Evil Dead movies have sequels, but again, those are, like, th those are different because those are more supernatural in tone. They're not, like, trying to do the same thing over and over again. And, like, I don't want this to turn into, like, a franchise that turns out, like, eight movies and stuff. Like, I just, I don't want that because I think that's going to cheapen overall kind of the, you know, the, the, the wonder and the, and the enjoyment that I got from this I also movie. think that, you know, it was a bold, bold, bold claim to do the Of the Dead name. It's not associated with those movies, but it is paying homage to the zombie movie, the greatest zombie movie yes. of all time, probably. And let's not, let's not belittle that name. Let's not take away yeah. from that name over time. And unfortunately, it seems like that. Well, they better be good, because that's bold to sort of, I know it's not directly correlated, yeah. but I mean... I spoke about the shoulders that this movie stands on, and if there only had to be one, it's clearly Aramero. And so let's yes. not, you know, take away from that. Let's be respectful here. Let's be yeah. filmmakers first and foremost. That's all I hope for. You know, let's put the universe of it aside and, and focus on the script and story. Now, one thing that I thought this movie did that was interesting and was also unique for a zombie film was it played with sci-fi elements, right? We had the whole Area yes. 51. Yeah, let's touch on that before we get into our final thoughts because, oh man, like there were some drops yeah. here to say well, the least. It, it, this ties into the segment of the cinematic universe where it does make it interesting because we're talking about aliens and we have these Area 51. 51 army officials transporting a package, a payload, to another location, and, and they re reference the place they came from as Area 51 as they jokingly talk about every conspiracy conspiracy theory under the books, which is how I yeah. know Snyder's on YouTube, because you don't know they about were, those they were, unless you're on they YouTube. Were, they were already and, getting off to a start. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm literally when we started this, I'm like, oh, wow, we're, we're yeah, already doing yeah, this. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and so there's also a multiverse moment a sort of Dan Harmon style, you know, um, that great episode of Community where the dice keeps getting rolled and there's alternate timelines. So there, Remedial chaos yeah, there's theory. So, so if anything, I hope we play into that and we take this and we expand it further into the um, sort of like how that movie, uh, I didn't really love it too much, but Overlord, which was uh, sort of like yeah. the Cloverfield movie that then had Cloverfield stripped from it. At least it yep, tried. Because of how bad Cloverfield Paradox yeah, was. Yeah, at least it tried to like play with multiple concepts of sci-fi and, and fuse genres and, and offer something interesting. Same way this movie does, although this movie was way more successful yes. with that. So at least, like, I think if there was anyone who could pull this off, it's Snyder. If we need prequels, I kind of want to see how this thing gets to Earth in the first place. Because it is an alien, as they said, and I truly believe that. So, I mean, there there is interesting stuff to explore. I just wonder... If it's better left unseen, if it's better left unsaid and unwritten, I think that we're going to kind of, over time, depreciate the value of this movie right here yes. by expanding this universe. I think the mystery adds yes. to it. As in most horror films, I think, you know, it's part of it's like, whoa, what? there's some unanswered threads here, and now I'm really scared on my drive home from the theater. We're going to lose that feeling, you know? It's just really strange to me how in like the middle of like they're breaking into the vault, right? They're actually like doing the crackdown scene. You just see all these skeletons. And it's like okay, so it was former teams that were sent in. They're like okay, it's like they're kind of like subtly building it. It's like oh, the the billionaire just wants to like do this one thing rather than like have us do the other, and you know we're expendable as far as that goes. And like I'm expecting something along those lines, but instead I get the you know this is us, and they're like what? And they're like yeah, it's us, but like from like a parallel timeline. I'm like what? I'm like 
that's just a weird thing to like bring up as far as like have that just be like a random character insert and like it's so weird for this movie to like be bring up like illusions of sci-fi and like other like, like different other like parallel timelines and like there was theories floating around like the zombies could be aliens or like that the zombies could be robots and like I even read a thing online that like this that like the lead zombie the reason why it was smart was because it was made from alien DNA and all these different things where it's like okay it feels like there was just way too much that they tried to put into this movie that obviously had to be cut for time's sake because again this movie is already two and a half hours long but like I'm like that that's that's those are the parts of the movie where I'm like okay those are clearly like blink or you'll miss it moments for a reason because i definitely think that it's like if they if they had like had time to like actually dive into those it would have been like a movie just full of just random non sequiturs that would have just felt like they just completely took away from the plot which wouldn't be uncharacteristic of snyder but like at the same time it's like yeah we're, we're we already sat through one four hour long movie we're not sitting through another yeah, one i mean i think all of that i agree with i think the only thing i'll add to this whole cinematic universe I think, you know, the reason we're getting the Michael Cassidy's Kelly's prequel is probably because he was more than we thought, you know, he probably might have been like, we, you know, there probably is like going to be a double fake out where the plant from, um, uh, you know, our, who's that guy? I can, I don't want to mispronounce his name and disrespect his great legacy. The Japanese actor in this movie, Hiroyuki Sanada, Hiroyuki Sanada, we, we thought his plant in the movie was sort of like the, the fake out character, but really I think he's the double plant by like maybe the government or the CIA. And he was actually a part of like the military in area 51. And so you could, but it's obvious that's obvious, and for me to th- yes. like, that's probably going to be it, and that sucks because that's something I'd want to yeah. sort of talk about with you for years and years and years, and sort of speculate yes. and let simmer and and but never see because then it takes away from this movie, yeah, exactly. right? Do you do you feel that or no? Absolutely, because again, it's that thing that we talked about, right? That Bill Simmons has talked about before, which is that it's like again, back in the day, people would have like three-hour conversations at like one in the morning when they're drunk or high, just about like just random bullshit, and it would just be fun in order to like simmer and keep that moment alive. But now, like, kind of the internet and movies just want to take all that stuff and make it into movies, and it's like, nah, some stuff is better left unseen, you know? Like, let let the mystery sit, you know? That's what kind of makes gives these movies the aura and the bravado that they have, yeah, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. And then the last thing I kind of want to ask about this universe question, I feel like Snyder should know better, you know, than to do this to uh, yeah, his right? work. Uh, because right? he did something so special he- with his Snyder-verse uh, of the DC Comics, and... I think that he kind of said all he... I mean, look, I don't want to speak for him. To me, it feels like you kind of did something that was so profound in this very monoculture superhero format. You broke that format and garnered a very large audience for it. And you had a huge success with the Snyder Cut. And so why do we... You know, as an artist, I I would think you would want to keep going forward. To me, it just seems... But he, but then again, here, here's where I want your opinion on this because I'm conflicted here. He is kind of the guy who has the most interesting cinematic universe to me, to my tastes, and at least true, the one that's different true. than the monoculture of cinematic universe, the format that we that we're seeing going around. True. Like even on the small screen, we have like Jupiter's Legacy, which is just like another foot soldier in the generic line of you know, like they keep coming out. Yep. So it's like, what's your take on yep. that? Is he going to be <sighs> able to do it or not? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, man. 
Uh, I, I think the problem, too, is that he's not going to be necessarily involved creatively with the rest of the cinematic universe because he's not attached. He's attached as, like, an executive producer on these. And you That's know that that executive producer credit doesn't mean shit. <laughs> it means he's nowhere near that set. I think that I honestly think that this Army of the Dead that we have is the only, like, kind of installment that Snyder is going to have in this series going forward. And I think that... Yeah, it is ultimately going to kind of defeat the purpose of the existence of this movie as time goes on. Like, of all the movies that were... Again, it's kind of Sicario all over again. It's like, of all the movies that we get a sequel to, it's like, why this one? You know, it's such a perfect one and done, you yeah. know? It's like, Netflix, just leave well enough alone when I you know. can. The streaming wars, man. They're uh, they're brutal beasts. The streaming wars. It's like, just invest in your people, not the right. products. Give them a know? deal That's for his next two films, but it doesn't one. have to be... Yeah, and, and to anyone out there, yeah. the last thing I'll say, if you're before we do our star ratings, if you're wondering, oh, well, why are they saying executive producer doesn't mean anything? It definitely does. Really? Michael Bay is on a quiet place. Is there any Michael Bay in yeah. that first movie? No. Yeah. Not at all. Exactly. Not at all. Steven Spielberg, put it in perspective, Steven Spielberg is a quote-unquote executive producer of the Transformers movies. The only credit exactly. that he has is that they were produced by DreamWorks, That's the which is his company that he founded. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that those movies have going for it, him. Great, great examples. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said those are our thoughts on kind of you know the, the army of the dead upcoming cinematic universe that we have to look forward to let us know your thoughts in the comment section below and be sure to click the subscribe button and the like button and chris final star ratings man yeah yeah um at the risk oh, of man. you know regretting this later on i'm gonna have to go with a 4.5 out of 5 it's You're it's 4. not a 5, 5 out of 5 um i think my criticisms aren't nitpicks and so that's why I can't give it a full five out of five but they're few and far between because man the experience of this movie this had to be one of my favorite movie watching experiences of all time like we had such a blast man we had just so much fun we had so much fun with this movie and that's why look this isn't a four and a half I tried to justify the extra half star but I'm like no this is another one that's only a four unfortunately but again like it's one of those instances where it's like, yeah, I'm not here for the movie. I'm here for the experience. And as far as the experience, I got that in spades. Like, the action was incredible. The time that I had with you guys, that's what I'm going to remember ultimately from watching this movie. Not all kind of like the slight nitpicks. I'm just going to remember all the absolutely, like, nonsensical stuff from this movie. Just laughing. I'm going to laugh at Garrett Dillahunt getting his face bitten off by a zombie tiger. I'm going to laugh. And I already can't even give him a straight face. I'm going to laugh at freaking his girlfriend getting her head literally neck snapped oh, backwards. Man. Like, I'm like, and what? Just what was that? I'm, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm always going to remember like the, the one like um, the Guzman sidekick character, the first one to die, like slicing and dicing her way through all those zombies as they're hibernating. Like I'm going to remember I'm, those. That's the stuff that I'm going to remember from this movie. It was still an absolutely hella entertaining time. And I heavily recommend that everyone who hasn't uh, watch it. I give this four out of yeah, five stars. And dumb. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to go what? get some lobster rolls. Could <laughs> <laughs> I maybe go and open a food yeah, truck? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Oh man! Oh man! Pull, pull a John Favreau, go off the grid. Just uh, does that? Don't even, don't even charge people money. Just charge people. Just, just be like, hey, just enjoy some of my food. I'll accept Dogecoin. <laughs> 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 Not financial advice. Anyways, not um, financially feasible. But oh man, people, those were our thoughts on our on Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. It's on Netflix right now. I heavily recommend you guys go watch it. Whether you like zombie movies, whether you like action movies, whether you like Dave Batista, whether you just want a movie to watch, I heavily recommend you guys go watch it. Let us know your thoughts once again 
on this entire episode, on our entire podcast, in the comments section below. Be sure to click the like button. Be sure to click the subscribe button. Once again, just every subscribe and every follow follow gives us a chance in order to continue to improve, in order to continue to give you guys the content that it is that you deserve. We've got another Fast and Furious first time watch coming for you guys on Wednesday. We've got another variety show. We've got another episode of Talking Thrones that's on the channel right now. We're ramping up. This is going to be what our summer is going to look like overall, people. So... Once again, if you want to keep seeing more stuff from us, just click the subscribe button down below. And be sure to follow us also on our social media profiles on Facebook and Instagram at Talking TV or at Talking TV Podcast. Chris, where can the good people well, find you? First of all, I just want to say to our audio listeners out there, thank you guys so much. I, I think we don't say it enough. You guys have been crushing it lately. We've had the highest six-week span we've ever had as far as listens, downloads, streams go. The numbers have been astronomical. It's insane. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate all the support there. And of course, we're on Spotify, Apple, Podcasts, Google, Play. uh, Anchor sends it out to everywhere. So you can just go to Anchor and find all the spots. Amazon, the whole nine. Just go check us out there. And uh, yeah, I just had to shout them out, Dom, because I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but it's ridiculous. I've been keeping track. It's been it's been doing yeah. really well, honestly. I've been really really happy with that. Definitely, as far as just it's it still makes me so humbleized as far as like how you know where we started you know two years ago and now where we are years. now. It's you guys are amazing. Uh, it's only been two years. Yeah. It's insane. So it's honestly insane. But where can the good yeah, people find you? Guys you guys can find me anywhere that matters: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, the whole nine at Christian Ivanko. I make music. Uh, you can find that very aptly and easily through the link in my bio guys i'm working on a bunch of new tunes but uh, i think it'd be important for you to get my origin story and listen to sort of the the music that i originally made which is available again through that link in my bio and i have a second podcast which is um just like a passion conversation about music and whenever it drops it's always a good episode definitely not as consistent as this one but i think that's part of the charm and i would hope you would find it at talking with andrew and chris talking spelled the same way we do it here again available through the links in my bio what about you dom you can find me slowly dying of pollen allergies at <laughs> my place at Movie Nerd Reviews, Facebook and Instagram. I'm actually going to be moving in a little bit. That's why my room is in a state of disarray. And that's also why I'm podcasting from my room rather than the studio. The studio is getting packed up and it will be moved to my new house that I'm moving to in roughly about two weeks. So the next time that you, so the next podcast that you guys see me on a quiet place will be my last podcast in this location for a, for a, for forever probably so i just wanted to let you guys know that definitely and that's because so, of you guys sure the listeners follow- dom can buy a house thank you yes, guys indeed. so much yes indeed <laughs> you guys you guys have allowed me to be able to buy a house totally on my own i'm totally not moving in with roommates at all facebook and instagram at movie note reviews thank you guys once again for tuning into another episode and as always remember 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies we'll see you guys next time